Hey guys, welcome to another funky marketing episode. Uh, today uh, I'm gonna do a different intro because like it's 6 p.m. in Serbian time, so time for the for the second coffee and a nice chat at the end of the the working day. Today I have a pleasure to host um, Ivan Patterson, uh, and let me just. Uh, tell you a couple of things about him because he's doing lots of stuff. As of recently, he's the head of content and community at uh, Trender AI. He is a guy who is creative, outcome oriented, focused on content and community, uh, but loves all the things related to SaaS startups, focus on uh, on making work more human, exactly the things uh, that I'm advocating for. He's promoting LGBTQ uh, rights, uh, fighting racial injustice, developing team building activities, and encouraging professionals to prioritize their mental health. Welcoming Evan to the show. Well, thank you. That was uh, quite the intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. There, there are lots of stuff you are uh, talking about, doing, sharing, and uh, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I can't tell if it's a wide lane or if just in multiple lanes, but we're on the road at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Look, I'm looking at some some of uh, some of the stuff, and I'm like, because uh, I'm coming from the small city in, in Serbia, now living in a bigger one. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, in my hometown, there was uh, basically we don't, we don't even have Catholics, so there's no diversity. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, we even have like Serbians and Bulgarians, but as we like to say, maybe somebody from Bulgaria will will mind if I say this, but I don't care because that's the truth. That's how we say it. Like, and I've been living in Bulgaria for a lot of time, so I, I don't hate them. But, you know, there's a saying, because in every war, Bulgarians was the one attacking us from behind. And now, like, <laughs> yeah. st- stepping in the back. So Yeah, yeah. I used to work at a company with a lot of people from um, Bulgaria and from Serbia. And I heard many fun anecdotes between the two, <laughs> as me, the American, just sits there going, okay. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, I've been traveling a lot, meeting lots of different different people. Because, like, in, in my hometown, nobody is even say, you know, like, I'm gay or whatever. Uh, you yeah. know, publicly, we know, uh, you know, some people, but they are able to to be open and talk about it only when they move to the bigger city, go to college or something like that. But yeah. now here in Ovisad, that's like a common thing. Like yeah. my my wife already had friends, uh, you know, and like my personal uh, trainer in the gym was a guy who is a transgender man. 
And yeah. like, I'm like, man, if you can look like that, I want you to train me and get me to be fit as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's why, same thing in America, a lot of people move to bigger cities that are typically more accepting of these things, you yeah. know. Um, it's one of the many reasons why I moved to Chicago, right? So Chicago's, very, for lack of a better word, just very gay. It's, just, it's very queer. It's very LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, you know, gay culture here is very prominent you know so there's a lot to do a lot to see and a lot of people to be friends with and it's just a better quality of life when you have that you know one less thing to worry about when you're walking down the street yeah i i agree i agree but i mean you know uh we are living in a world that is definitely changing the definition of the family has changed drastically in, in the last yeah, 10 yeah. or 20 Family years. Relatives are not synonyms, people. They're not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am related to a lot of people I do not call family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had uh, I had a, a small touch of it, you know, like my father died in, in uh, 2015. And like I met a lot of people for the first time as a grown up. Yeah. At, at the funeral and they were like uh hey, i didn't hear from you for like 10 15 years like man i was a kid you never reached out like yeah yeah it's on you it's a few way street like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so... always fun when you re-meet these people as a grown adult you know you're just yeah, like yeah, why yeah. did i even like you at seven like i don't like you at 27 i'm like <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> no. uh, so, so tell me, uh, from your perspective, uh, that's a good way. You don't plan to start with a topic and you just, just get into it. But like, <laughs> uh, what's, what has changed in the business world, you know, having that change in mind and the way people express themselves more freely and, yeah. you know, do, do we as, a, as, a, as humans, start to accept more, you know, differences or yeah. we're not quite there yet. Uh, as a, see, for me, I work in a very niche space of you know, like early stage tech startups, right? So um, when I started networking and building my following, um, you know, I, I discovered the personal benefit of networking allowed me to be in early stage tech startups better, right? Nobody is applying for jobs at a pre-seed seed stage startup they're getting in through they know someone right it's not until they get to like series a or later when they start mass recruiting and employing people yeah. like that um so my, you know, my last few jobs have been through like word of mouth especially my freelancing jobs um as a as a freelancer in addition to my full-time work um and there's been a upside to that on the cultural side of things not only is my career progressing um the last the, the companies that I work in um, that I get from this networking also tend to be more inclusive. They tend to be a better, I don't like the word fit because it makes it seem like I'm assimilating or I'm making myself like everybody else, but I feel like I'm a better cultural addition, I guess, to the team. Like I, I don't feel unsafe. I can, for lack of a better word, I can be as gay as I want to be basically without feeling like I'm going to get attacked or microaggressions or get fired or whatever the case may be, because in some parts of America, at least, that's still a massive legal issue. Um, yeah. So, you know, those things kind of, I don't want to say they got solved on their own because like, and they're not completely gone, but they got 
almost completely eliminated. They got very much diminished because you were hiring me because you liked my skill set and what I brought to the table. But you also were hiring me because you got to know me over the several months, years or whatever that we knew each other. So, you know, my current job is a great example. Um, you know, Betsy's my, my, my boss as of yesterday. And when I started this job, um, I've been speaking to her since April or May. You think by now I would know if there was a problem, right? Between me being gay and working for her, right? There isn't at all. Obviously, I worked, I took the job, but um, you know, it, it makes the vetting your employer part much easier when you focus on networking. Um, so I think what's changed is uh LGBTQ people, um, BIPOC, anybody who's marginalized to any degree, um, really should double down on building their professional network. Because it will, even if you're not in the startup industry, even if you're in a completely different industry, because it will just make your life so much easier. You'll, you won't get no hurdles, but you'll get less. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Cause they get to know you, you know, they know who they're hiring. Yeah. Yeah. There's the interview process was merely, do you want this job? <laughs> like, you know, cause we've already done all the other stuff. Like we, over the past nine months, we know you're good. We like you as a person, you know? Like, it's just, do you want to work here or not? It's quite that simple, right? So um, it, it literally becomes just business at that point because the personal part's been dealt with for the friendship that you've built. Um, and that is so easy. That's such a be that's such a better way to look for a job because you don't have to deal with like, am I going to hate these people? Like you already know before you go in. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that as well. Like basically, I, I don't know if I ever applied to a job. So like yeah. all the all the jobs that I have, somebody reach out because they they saw me talking about the things offline or online, it doesn't matter. But they they've been following for some time. They know who yeah. I am, you know, because I'm sharing the journey, I'm sharing the thoughts, all those other stuff as well as you are, you know, like yeah. uh, this is who I am. You know, you're not gonna get somebody else. Yeah, I'm I'm not everyone's taste, and I'm okay with that. You know, um. I think the hard part for people to believe is, and understand, especially with social media, as even heck, I work in social media, so best believe I understand the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, it's um, you're not for everyone, and that's on purpose, and it's okay. Like if you were liked by everyone, I would be really concerned because that means you're faking something. Clearly, you know, yeah. if I'm not, if I if I go a week about pissing somebody off, I'm worried. Because that means I'm doing something wrong, to be quite honest. You know, not that I'm going out of my way to upset people or hurt people, but that means I'm not being myself. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And I, I read somewhere today, you know, like one of the things that you need to do. I think Luke, Luke Matthews, yeah, had a had a post about it. Yeah. Uh, like if you want to be um, somebody who is building the community or you know keeping the community, one of the things that you need to do is you you need to love handling the trolls. Yep. <laughs> That's so true. I thoroughly find joy in it. Um, I, I love dealing with that, you know. Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little petty sometimes, So it, which makes it, I do get a weird kick out of it. I, I thoroughly enjoy dealing with that sort of thing, especially when I know I'm right and it's objective, it's not subjective. But it's like something rooted in like fact and science. Um, not that I'll be mean about it, but like I'll always like play the very diplomatic pageantry answer, you know. <laughs> and it, but it works, and it, as a as a person who's you know gay and you know um, 
it's that extra oomph that sometimes is uh, nice to go. Not only did you say something wrong, it was also discriminatory, and I kicked your butt on both counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't think about it. You have another perspective as well. There's another layer, so it's like I get my <laughs> I get my uh, my desserts and I get to eat it too. You know, I, I get that. <laughs> cool. So. Um... Looking from, from that perspective and what we got into, uh, you know, how did all those things change the way, the way we hire and the way, the way we sell, like development of the personal brands, but yeah. also like, I think it got that development of the personal brands got also, got us also into conversations of, you know, talking about influencers in the B2B. We didn't yeah. have that before. Like it was, I, I like to say, and for the more companies, it still is like that you know they they look at their icp as the building you know not yeah. as uh, there's a person in, in this building working in the company that has this name and surname uh, yeah. like some things dislike some things but no they like it's still just account is the building and, yeah. and i'm like no man how did those things change I want to build the taco truck that the person in the building looks out the window and goes, oh, I want that taco, walks downstairs and comes outside to me. I'm the taco truck. I don't want to go in the building knocking on doors. I want them to come to me. And that's why influencer marketing works. Because the influencer is the taco truck. <laughs> yeah, that, that's well, I, it got me thinking about LeBron and, you know, every week, like, Taco Tuesday, let's go. <laughs> And immediately after this call, I am getting tacos. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've said tacos 15 times in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> but that's really how I look at it. It's, it's, it, it's not bait and switch. It's, you know, hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's ethical. There's a point. There's a reason. You know, um, there's a wrong and a right way to do it. I know when some people hear influencer or influencer marketing, they cringe. And that's because people have done it so poorly for so long in the D to C space. But, you know, there are people that do it right. There are people that do it in an ethical way. You know, I, some of my best purchases, um, not just as a professional, but as a, just a, an adult, you know, we're talking the clothes, the bye-bye, the cleaning products that I own, the furniture that I own. Like we're talking about not just frivolous things like a trendy t-shirt, you know, we're talking about things I need and use every day. The vacuum I bought, actually, I think I got off of an influencer's ad, to be quite honest. You know, um, some of the best purchases I ever made came from following someone because I genuinely enjoyed their content and I saw them as an authority in something, whether it was just entertainment or an actual topic worth noting or discussing um, in detail. And um, so therefore, like, you almost build like this relationship asynchronously with this person you've never actually like met, but you feel like you know them. So just like with real life friends, you know, if my if my partner buys something that they find useful, there's a pretty good chance I'm also going to find it useful because birds of a feather do flock together. So just like with influencer marketing, I've got this asynchronous one sided friendship that's been developed with this content creator. So anything they say, I'm also probably going to like it, too, in addition, same way my partner would. Right. So um, why not just lean into the things that humans do? At the end of the day, we're animals. We have animal instincts. And an animal instinct includes keeping up with the Joneses effect, right? And so why not leverage that? Yeah. Uh, listening to you, I was thinking, you know, like, there is only one tool that I have affiliate for right now. And it's something that we are using in Jarvis. 
So yeah. for for AI for writing. And I've seen their ads, by the way. That might be why, because I've been interacting with your content. <laughs> who who knows? But you know, like I, I am. I'm thinking, am I the influencer for for them? You know, they are not paying me to promote their stuff. Sure, I subscribe for the affiliate because I'm using the tool and I would like to get something back so I don't pay for the, for the tool, right? Yeah, but some people make a living off of affiliate marketing. Yeah, and, and you know, like it's the, the tool that I that I love and that we use a lot and I think a lot more people can can use it. And I, you know, like I, I post once in two months something about it, about writing yeah. and I just add, add a link in the comment, nothing too much, but I'm looking at the way, you know, like they're educating people every month uh about the way they can use it and people use the tool and they promote it basically so they give value people return the value as they promote the tool because the tool is good and uh you know that's basically it you know and there's psychology to it you know if i'm saying you know people if i talk about social media marketing or talk about social selling and uh, and people ask me what tools i use or i tell them and that's that's influencer marketing right there um, you know, sometimes I'll tell them without even being asking because sometimes like I did this and in order to do what I'm talking about, you need this tool. You know, it's if it makes sense, it's fine. Now, if you saw me post about accounting software, you'd probably be like, what the heck are you talking about, Evan? This this is clearly sponsored content. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of sponsored content, but I dare all of you, you know, unless you're doing influencer marketing yourself, most of you probably would not know what my sponsored content is because it's content that just makes sense and that's how you do it correctly <laughs> yeah as they would like to say natively basically yeah you yeah know, it, it's usually tools i use before they even paid me to be quite honest most of the time it's tools that i've been using before the brand deal and i'm like thinking you know all the stuff that i that i love right now and I, and that i own yep I'm like, I grew up with those stuff. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, one, of, one of the biggest brands that I'm following and cheering is, is the only basketball club that I'm cheering partisan. Basically, their tagline is, um, as a little, I was, uh, I was, ah, let, let me just translate it in my head. Uh, <laughs> I was taught to cheer for them. Yeah, as a little, and it basically goes from, uh, you know, from father to the to a son or yep. to a to a daughter, and then on and on and on, and and basically it's all the time here, you know, and like yeah. Jordans, man, I've been playing basketball uh, my whole life. My father was a coach. Like I couldn't wait to get in the situation where I can buy Jordans. Yeah, like you know, and I was like, yeah. that's that's a big deal. And you that's know, influence in the in the natural world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but tell me how how it is it different in the for example in the SaaS world, like because people see it a little bit differently, and I think it's still just just started to unravel. Yeah, it's definitely in its infancy. Um, I think the part that people often, but when they when they see it, it's new. But when you break it down, it's no different than an Instagram model, you know, pitching a t-shirt. It's no different than a YouTuber pitching a skincare product. It's no different than a gamer on Twitch pitching a headset, right? It's, um, they're using these things 
already. Or, and I've had this happen where companies will send me the product to, but for free to, so I can determine if I actually like it. So therefore I can speak with authenticity, right? There's, there's tools that I've used that, uh, that I've, that I've done sponsored content for that. Yeah. I did not use them before they approached me, but if they do, if they do it right, they'll give it to me. So at the end of the day, it's still the exact same thing. I am a, I'm a content and community marketer. So there are going to be tools that I use daily to get my job done. So obviously those are going to be things that I would speak about. So if you pay me to speak about them, it's just going to make that much more sense. Right. So, um, I used to be an SDR. I used to work in sales. I've had a lot of really awful sales jobs. I've also had a lot of really great sales jobs. So I know both sides of the grass here. Um, you know, RepView, yes, they do sponsor some of my content. And they know this. I know this. They let me talk about it. No one cares. Uh, the point being, though, um, they they are creating something that my following cares about mainly because I care about it and I've been talking about it for a long time. So I already know that they cared about it. So when they approach me, it's like, it's a no brainer, just like with an Instagram model. If the Instagram model loves wearing cardigans, then you go, Hey, here's a cardigan you might like. And they go, actually, I do like that cardigan. And then they're going to pitch that cardigan. So I think the part that frustrates me with uh, B2B is everyone in B2B likes to act like it's a separate beast from B2C. And it really, it isn't. At the end of the day, it's humans selling to humans, right? If it's going to make my job easier, then how is that any different than making my day easier or making my outfit better or making my music sound better when I'm playing a video game, right? Like, how is that any different? At the end of the day, it's making something better. There's an improvement being made. There's a problem being solved. Um, I think that's also why more companies are talking to personas and not teams, right? Um, Dooley is a fantastic example. They pitch their product to account executives. Now, granted, teams can buy them. Entire sales organizations can buy their product. But if you get the account executives, the people in the team to love it, then the team itself will buy it, even though there's a few of them that have already swiped the card themselves. There's this like bottom up effect where it used to be top down effect, um, you know? And that's because in the B2C world, it's never been top down. It's always been bottom up in the B2C world. So once B2B decided we got to stop reinventing the wheel, you know, it, it worked, right? So that took a few years and that's been a recent thing. I think the next step is, okay, so we know how to sell like B2C. Now we need to learn how to market like B2C, which is the influencer marketing, the affiliate marketing, because that stuff's not new. Look at how much Britney Spears got paid to hold up a soda can for three seconds in a Super Bowl commercial. And it worked. <laughs> I'll remember that ad to the day I die. <laughs> yeah, so I just think the hard part is people are trying to reinvent the wheel and they're eventually going to realize that there's no point in overcomplicating it. It's just, it's not new. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, to totally agree, man. When I was thinking about what should I do after, uh, you know, I got out of the agency when I was working before and I was like, Okay, I've been working mostly with B2C brands before, some of them B2B, yeah. but like I was looking at B2B space and it's like no humanity, no emotions, nothing that needs to change and the yeah. change will come. So, so why don't I start something and be on that wave? You know, while yeah. not many people are over there and it started to change and it accelerates and I'm like, yeah. You know, somebody asked me, when do you think, you know, we could 
make it equal, you know, B2B and B2C. Maybe they will never be equal because of the buying cycles and those kind of things. But like, yeah, there's going to be some differences, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, whenever we have in B2B uh, a commercial, which is like Coca-Cola Christmas commercial, something yeah. that can be, you know, near that, then we can say, you know, that we are doing something. But then, you know, you, you see some companies started to create ads in that way and to make it more human. Yeah. I don't know, like Dooley is one of them making, yeah, Canva you know. Canva does a great job. They run TV commercials. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, especially if you're going after SMB, it, this still works in enterprise, you know, it's it's a volume game, you know, enterprise, you're going to get less frequency, but bigger dollars, right? SMB, you're going to get halfway between what enterprise is getting and B2C is getting, right? But regardless, it's still going to work. It's still going to work at the end of the day. You just got to figure out how to change the metrics to your industry. Yeah. Yeah. I a thought, Salesforce should really be running TV ads. I've seen a couple, but like, like Salesforce should be running them. I don't see why they're not HubSpot, right? Like there are more companies that should be doing these things or if they're already doing them, do them more often, you know, because I'm sorry, I may be a marketer and yes, I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race in my spare time, but, but I'm still a marketer while watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I still, it's not like, oh, I honestly forgot what I do for a living once the commercial break starts, you know what I mean? So uh, they got Shoppers Drug Mart is a drugstore in Canada. It's kind of like a Walgreens or a Rite Aid, if you know what those are. And um, they've got, they're sponsoring RuPaul's Drag Race in Canada, right? Because like, because they know, oh, everyone's a mom or a dad who needs to go buy like baby diapers and cleaning wipes and stuff. And that's where you buy them. So it's, why are we not just putting these in front of people? And if it doesn't make sense, weirdly, sometimes it actually is a good thing. Like I would love to see salesforce sponsor like a flip-flop from old navy like that would make no sense but you would remember it <laughs> and that's the point <laughs> yeah and i think like what you just said uh it's actually the moment when you realize how the change is happening in b2b you know like hiring somebody to run the community for a SaaS uh tool who was running restaurants, social media for the restaurants before, yeah. or somebody who is totally out, out of the game, knows nothing about, about B2B, about SaaS, about technology, but knows people, you know, yeah, who's building a community before. reality and nightclubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so completely different, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but I, I, I still see, you know, like we need to talk more about those examples because like companies are uh, like, we need to find somebody that has experience in the field. Why? Yeah. Like they have experience in doing the thing that you want them to do, right? They don't yeah. need to be in the industry. Um, yeah, my friend, he works at a beauty and skincare company, a very, very large one, like top 50 in the world. And um, he wants to break into technology. And I was asking, he was asking me questions of like, how do I break into the, the SaaS space? Like to your industry, I've never worked in your industry. I said, here's the thing that no one talks about. Um, you have to find a prop. The, the best way to get your foot in the door is to find a SaaS company that sells to the industry you're coming from. So there are SaaS products for people that work in beauty and skincare. There are SaaS products for the companies, not even just the individuals. We're not talking about like, you know, the, 
the YouTubers, which is a valid career. My company sells to the YouTubers, actually. But, um, you know, there's there's a whole space of products. You know, if, if, if all these makeup companies are using the same CRMs, the same social media marketing tools, well, congratulations. You have domain expertise that this SaaS company is going to want. So, um, so I, I told him like that's what to do, and he started doing that, and now he's got interviews lined up like crazy, and he's got some promising prospects. This is very recent, like this is like in the past couple of weeks. This isn't like an old story. Mm -hmm. So um, it's more proof that you know a lot of B two B companies are learning that it's more important to get someone who understands the world that they're selling into than it is to work in the world they're going to be working in. They can learn that on the job. The the other part, that's what's going to get them the, the, the job, really. That's what's going to make them succeed. Because the flip side, if I'm experienced in B2B, but I have no idea what beauty and skincare is like, um, I can get good and I can be great just like that person, but it's going to take me longer. The ramp time is going to be longer because I have to learn how to talk the talk and walk the walk. You know, and you won't even know if I'm going to be capable of it until like six months in. Where this person, you know, they're capable in the first thirty seconds of meeting them. <laughs> so, um, I think like when you when you're hiring salespeople or marketers, um, you should look at the industries that they worked in, and you, I want variety. I don't want a lack of variety. I I actually want you to have had several industries on your resume, not one. Yeah, that's that's the good one. That's the good one. Something that I like, and you know, it's I have a good example which is kind of interesting. Like Linda Silva, who was working with me, Funky yeah. Marketing, actually has a company named Keep It Funky. And, and you know, when she approached me, and like, man, like we're a perfect fit, but like yeah. her, comp her company, she was working in B two C, and like with uh, promoting craft wines and craft beers and beverages, yeah. those kind of stuff. And, and like, you know, and she was thinking those things can be applied in B2B as well. So let's just try it out and see how it goes. And, and the way she writes, uh, like her copywriting skills are great because she uses those things, uh, you know, that she got directly by, by speaking with people, you know, from different, from different industries, from different uh, branches, different localization, whatever. Yeah, that's how I got my job when I was in insurance. I was in, I bet a lot of industries. I was an insurance agent, so I sold insurance to small um, businesses. Like we're talking like 10, 15 employees at most, right? You know, um, and then in, I, I'm also an influencer. I make money off brand deals and stuff like that. I worked in video gaming and virtual reality. Um, I've worked in restaurants and some small ma and pa restaurants and small nightclubs. Not I've worked in chains too, but I've worked in small ones, right? So my company guess what they sell to all of those things and then some right so it's so they care more about the fact that i understand their world because i've been there before so i can speak and talk natively to the customers as a marketer whereas oh you're just great at b2b marketing but you've never spoken to these people before like you that's still not a bad hire but like personal preference i'd rather have someone who knows the world of the prospect and not the world of the company if i have to pick yeah that's well said that's well very well said and My something i think that it, it is, <laughs> it's often overlooked you know does can look like uh, i can i can really relate because like i got into into marketing by you know i started studying marketing we can talk about that as well like we're both yeah. dropouts 
like uh, I started yeah, yeah, studying, yeah, studying yeah, marketing yeah. and I had no idea what marketing is at the, at the time. So I thought it's just like commercials as I think. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. People used to get advertised and marketing mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, uh, you know, and basically I have chosen the, the department in the college with uh with the most exams the hardest ones to get to the next grade to the yep. next year and like um i negotiated with my, with my friends to do the same they they were cursing me at the time or or a few years later but like i didn't learn anything about marketing i learned about management company organization uh those kind of stuff and basically i I dropped out to uh, to start my own NGO to stop, you know, Monty villages from dying, organize huge summer camps, uh, yeah. become the youth worker, uh, organize different kind of events. And that's where I learned marketing, you know. But I, I one thing I learned is that, you know, value first, money after, you know, don't chase the money, let the money chase you. And now I think that that's my advantage. When I move into the marketing, I realize, okay, I don't need to apply for the projects. To write projects yeah. usually when i when i write projects it's not for my target group it's for somebody that needs to approve yeah. the, the the budget so i'm like fuck this shit now i can sell everything but yeah. i know yeah. i know i know what i want so let's get from it to from a different example you know from a different angle yeah i think there's also that fine line to your point about you know doing what you want when I was a kid, I remember getting taught all the time by teachers in school that, you know, you, you're going to have to learn to adapt the things that you don't want to have to do, really. And there's sometimes you have to, right, when it comes to business. Uh, but there gets a point when you get good enough and you really figure out what you want, sometimes you don't have to adapt to it. You just have to adapt the experience to you. So, mm -hmm. you know, in networking really helps with this to the point earlier. I'm not working at Trender because I can adapt myself to it. Trender and I are just like a perfect pairing, like puzzle pieces, right? It just makes sense. So being self-aware um, and combining that with like the varied industry experience, you know, um, that lets you figure out like, you know, which peg to fit yourself into, which hole to put that peg through, that will help big time as a marketer. Um, because as anybody who works in marketing knows, content creation is like mostly research and then the, the rest of it's the actual creating the actual content. Um, so um, it, the less, the more you can remove the research and um, the more content you can produce in less time with less effort without reducing quality, you might actually be able to improve the quality too. So um, because that way I'm learning to keep up. I'm not learning to discover those are two very different things um you know selling to influencers i'm just staying in the loop of the influencers world i'm not learning what it is which is which is two very th two very different things so therefore instead of spending an hour writing a blog for them because i have to spend 45 minutes doing research and by the way no blog takes you an hour in case anybody's listening to that part <laughs> but the point being now i'm spending a half hour because i only have to do 10 minutes of research because I have a lot more domain expertise, uh, which is a, one of the many reasons why I think it's super important to uh, find jobs that make sense for you. Um, once you get to a point where you have enough uh, self-awareness and education, and the only way you get that is by taking jobs that aren't meant for you, actually. That's the hard part. <laughs> you have to take a job that you suck at, to be quite honest. <laughs> That's really how it works. I think every person who's ever spoken to you can probably agree that you have to have a few jobs that were like, 
in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, man. I think we, we all have at least a couple or at least interviews for we, which will tell us, you know, that we that this isn't the job for us or we suck at it or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I totally say we should normalize putting on resumes. I quit because this was not it. <laughs> whatever this was should not have happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, did you hit quota? No. And I, and I can tell you why. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Make that normal. Like, we should normalize an interview. They fired me because I never should have been hired. <laughs> like, make that a good thing. That's not a bad thing in my mind. <laughs> That's that's a great thing. I'm thinking how the you know the the part with experience in LinkedIn would look like. It would be yeah. much more interesting. <laughs> I want to hear people say, "Yeah, I got fired because listen, I suck at this, and now I know to never try that again, or I'm going to try it differently, or whatever." Right? Like, I love listening to people fall on their face, and it's not from like a laughing or poking fun at them thing, but we all learn from our mistakes. I want to learn from other people's mistakes too. Um, when people ask me, how do you learn about influencer marketing? I can't name a book or a video or an ebook or a podcast or anything. I literally just watch other people do it. Yeah. Including the, people that are good and people that are bad. <laughs> that's it. And by, by, you know, uh, by doing it for some time, you realize who are those that, that you need to follow more, who are those that, that are keep doing the shit in job and I you need to you definitely so many to never follow. And I did, I can, tell you so many things that i did and never should have like it come on and on and on <laughs> yeah man the same uh i had yeah. juliana jackson here and we you know nearly got into the topics that we didn't want to go <laughs> <laughs> no marketer wants to talk about that watch and yes i am being a hypocrite if any of my followers are listening talk about your problems i won't but you can <laughs> do as i say not as i do <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, that exposure and everything related to the mental health. You, you reminded me now, you know, there, there was a colleague of mine in, in the ex company that when he when he quit, actually, he quit the company. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I think, the most talented copywriter ever. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I've worked with him the most. But when he quit the company, he was actually the one that broke the culture in the company yeah. at least that's that's my perspective because one by one people left and i was not the only one but among the last ones that left after yeah. that uh but like he started the page on linkedin when he was using screenshot for my post and giving them the new look and those kind oh, of God. things and i'm like okay i'm not somebody who is like endangered because i learned in in the past because i'm like speaking things in public and know how to handle those things. But if it's somebody who, you know, is not on that level aware of how to handle things, it can be really hard. And, you yeah. know, and it's, ha and it's happening on a daily level, you know? Yeah, it happens to me all the time. Yeah. yeah I uh, always say it's, you know, imitation is flattery, you know? Um, I, I think the best revenge... And, and, I, and I use the word revenge literally here, you know? Uh, in my personal life and professional life, um, it's always just to be, just be successful and to be happy, you know, um, and, and know what the definition of those two words means for yourself. Cause no two people have the same definition. You know, we got similar, but not same. Um, you know, um, it's, yeah, I see people all the time do it and it's, it's hard at first, but with time and practice, you'll stop caring. You'll, you'll start realizing like, 
well, listen, I'm so good, I came up with it. So they're only okay because they had to steal it, you know? So I take pity on those people, if anything, because I'm like, they're never going to be able to create anything. They're only going to be able to, uh, you know, copy and, and take. Um, and there's a big difference between curation and copying. You know, um, sometimes I wonder if I'm a content creator or if I'm a content curator, because a lot of the things I'm talking about are like, anecdotes and things I've picked up on just by merely existing and living life on this planet, um, which obviously would imply that 95% of what I know comes from experiences that involve other human beings and their experiences. So, you know, so the, the, the line of like, what is original and what is curation um, is very blurred these days. Um, I'll post a post about, you know, video prospecting tips and people will act like it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I'll be sitting here going, why are you this astound? I'm just <laughs> the 95th person reiterating this. I'm just putting my opinion with it, you know? And, and then I go, Oh, that's curation. You know, copying is when I just like, let me just copy and paste this person and just hit paste. And, and then we go, we're done with the call today. You know? So I, when people do that, I often, wonder if it's because they know they can't create the content uh, if they're being malicious or if they don't even realize that what they're doing isn't curation they might be so early in their career that they think that's what we do for a living um so i always like to assume the positive um intent that this person doesn't know any better um because to be ignorant it doesn't necessarily mean to be malicious and i think that's hard for people to remember yeah I, I totally, I totally agree about it, and that's that's a great, the great topic that you got into, you know, making um, the difference between curation and, and copying. That's, yeah, that's great because you know, if if you really want to be the best, you gotta go through the phase when you are actually, you know, copying other people and trying to do things as they are. And a then, lot of the best writers will tell you that the way they learned how to write was by yeah. rewriting things other people wrote. Like I, I'm the same way. I used to hand write um, word for word, mark for mark, what other people would write on LinkedIn, just so I would force myself to slow down and understand why this post works. And then, cause I can't write as fast as I can type. And, and if you can, congratulations, but I can't. So uh, I also have terrible handwriting, but the point being um, you know, I never posted that, but it helped me understand that. So it's further proof that like, there's a good chance this person's just trying to learn and they don't even know that what they're doing is detrimental, which is a part of learning. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I mean, you get, you need to get to that level when you can actually produce your own stuff. And yeah, things... now everybody's going to get copied. They're going to go look at this person's resume and go, oh, they've been doing this for a few months. Okay. I'll let it happen. <laughs> Yeah, but, you, you know, uh, I like to, when I'm hiring people or choosing the people that I'm working with, I like to, one of the skills that I'm looking uh, for is, you know, copywriting skills. Because yeah. when somebody knows how to write a good copy, it, it means that they know how to create the structure, how to put, to emphasize the important things, you know, how to get to know the people who they are writing for, those yeah. kind of things. And it means that they can apply it into some, some other uh, things as well. Yeah, yeah. Usually great copywriters are great project planners, idea generators, I think, um, because they have to take you on this journey through everything. So they have to grab your attention. They also have to keep it. And then they have to let you walk away with something to remember. And those are three very different things. 
Um, I don't think I've met a copywriter that's not a good storyteller orally. I don't want to say copywriting and public speaking go hand in hand because I know a lot of copywriters that are awful public speakers and vice versa. But I would say there's a lot of copywriters that are great oral storytellers too because it's the same skill set. So whenever I've um, you know met people that are copywriters, I'm also looking for um, how they're talking to me um, because that's also an indicator of just how their brain works. And that's what I care about. Yeah. Okay. So I have two, two questions uh, mm -hmm. to dive into for the end. One, it is, do we need a community today to be successful at, at building our startup? And the second one is, how do we define today the social selling? So for the first question, um, yes, but it depends on your definition of community. Um, I don't think every company needs like a closed community, like a Discord or a Slack. Um, you know, there's there's a time and a place for that, and it's a whole another hour long episode we could go into. But community is really defined by you know uh, many to many having conversations. You know, marketing is one to many, sales is one to one, community is many to many. It's in front of you. It's not even necessarily with you always. Um, community is not your sales rep commenting on a social media post. Uh, you know, that's, that's fantastic. I'm not saying don't do that, but community is when someone is posting about something and one of your customers or one of your fans of the product is replying to that person on your behalf and you're just letting it happen. You know what I mean? And like, you're letting the, you're letting the fans speak for themselves. So it's a long haul game. You're not going to see an ROI in the first six to 12 months. And you have to be okay with the fact that it is a money pit for the, for a long time. But um, it will do your brand so much good long-term. By, by year two, three, four, you're going to start seeing, oh, there's the ROIs kicking in. Um, you know, uh, I, God, it's, it's like the financial diet. I've watched them for five years. It's a YouTube channel. And I don't think I started talking about them until three years ago, you know, and they've never paid me. Um, that's not, that's not sponsored at all. Um, but the point being like, it can just be community in this, in the, in the concept of the feeling um, and in the psychological meaning of community, not just in the Slack community noun definition. Um, so start that yesterday. That's my advice. Um, and then the second thing for uh, social selling today, that's, that, that's where I always, <laughs> that's hard. Um, <laughs> social selling to me, it's not connecting and pitching. It's not sending DMs like crazy on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. It's not replacing cold email with cold messaging and sliding to the DMs. Um, it's it's all about hyper relevancy. And I really, I don't get why people get relevancy and personalization and blurred together. Um, I was just on a call with Tom Slocum who said that there's the three R's. Um, um, I forgot what the first one was, <laughs> Sorry, Tom. but one of them was relevancy. And if it's not relevant nothing matters, so it has to be the right person. It has to be the relevant too. So personalization is, Oh, your kid plays little league baseball. I used to 10 years ago. Well, what does that have to do with what you're talking about? Um, you know, and reiterating, Oh, you do. I hear that lots of heads of community and content love this thing. That congratulations. You just tell me my job title and my tax forms. That's not helpful. But it's, hey, Evan, I saw you were, I made a post this week. I saw you were complaining about not knowing which social media management tool to use because there's too many to pick from. And you said in some of the comments why you're having problems with some of these tools. I have a tool that touches base on all those things that you're talking about. Here's a link to the free trial if you want to set it up. And here's my calendar and phone number in case you have questions. 
if you're cool with it, I'll hit you up in a week to see how things are going with it. You would get me as a customer in three seconds if you did that. Um, that's the DM I want. That's the that's that's the cold call I want, and that's the email I want. I don't care which channel you do that with, but social selling is you're using my social behavior to figure me out and understand what's important to me while doing the classical what's my job title company stuff behind the doors. Don't tell me that, just do it. And then make it just make sense. I'd rather have an SDR make 10 activities a day that are the best possible activities of the 10 perfect people and get 10 deals than then make 100 in a day and uh, get two customers because they're just throwing darts at a wall and just hoping for the best. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's well explained, guys. Now now you know how, what you can sell to Evan and how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really easy to sell to. Like, I'll pick up a cold call. I'll read an email. Like, I, I as long as you're not being like lazy about it or being rude, I am generally really nice. I respond to almost every single email that I get. I probably shouldn't say that on a podcast, but the <laughs> point being, um, you know, I think if you know, social selling, that's one component. The other component is like taking those influencer marketing strategies to build social credibility, right? You know, that's a, that's one of many levers you can pull, but social selling is when you take the personal branding and you use it. That's social selling. I think that's the other issue. People get social selling and personal branding mixed up. Me creating content and me using my content as a way to get people to like me are two very different things. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's very hard. I have a lot of content on my LinkedIn page about the differences and how people can um, silo their thoughts in a healthy way that lets them plan accordingly if people are interested. Yeah, that's that's good. The last topic actually you know uh we can just say one of two things or basically repeat <laughs> what we were saying all the time you know uh and it is the way i call the episode it's how to make b2b more human yes of course i think that people have to remember that you know i, I might be evident trender you know and um you know the, tom might be tom at rev genius you know and everyone is insert name here at company here right but I get frustrated that everyone introduced themselves as I'm this person at this company. You're also this, just this person. Let, be okay with it stopping and ending there. Um, you have feelings and emotions that should be listened to and not controlled. And I think the more businesses can understand that, once again, we're animals at the end of the day, right? We're, we're biological beings. Our emotions are quite literally just responses that our body is telling us this is what you need. So why would you ignore that? If we're if our stomach's rumbling and we're hungry, we what do we do? We eat. If our throat's dry and we're starting to feel thirsty, what do we do? We drink some water, right? But if we're sad, we should be asking ourselves why are we sad, and then do something with that information, right? It, you know. And I understand it's an oversimplification of mental health disorders. I have PTSD. You know, sometimes I get paranoid, and sometimes the answer is I'm being triggered. And sometimes the answer is quite literally, Evan, you just have a chemical imbalance and you just got to ride the wave. You know what I mean? And that's fine. So you have to figure out what works for you. But the more businesses can lean into the fact that like we're animals at the end of the day, we're not cogs in a machine. There's going to be things that no one can explain or predict. And you're just going to have to learn to deal with it. That's going to make you a really successful business. Once you allow for the freedom to listen to emotions and feelings and thoughts, even when they don't make sense at the beginning, the more success you'll have. 
Yeah, uh, I, I would just add, you know, like when you get to that phase, this is when you go to the data, not before, usually. It's yeah, you get yeah. to the data, go to the data to, after. To, the data can to, help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to prove that you are right or maybe you are wrong. Maybe your instinct was wrong on some of the things. Or maybe it's just you've been getting the data all wrong all along. And that's okay, too. The capturing the data process has to be right also. And that's fine. You have the trial and error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, listening to you, I was thinking, like, a few days ago in, in a car, I got a call from an unknown number. And they, they asked me, like, hey, is that Nemanja Zivkovic? Say, yes. What do you need? Like, hey, uh, are you, aren't you the one that is doing this this job I can, no I have nothing to do with then which Nemanja are you funky marketing <laughs> like the thing that oh, you said <laughs> how we relate to the things over there also so like that's <laughs> a help but, right like so this guy's like What's the, uh, the, the thousands <laughs> that live in this country I'm like <laughs> yeah and, and look like I have no idea who she is and why would me saying funky marketing mean anything to her. I don't know when yeah. she got the number, but this is the first thing that comes to my mind as it's like the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think people like it's okay to do that, but you have to remember at the end of the day, like you're a human being at the end of the day, and you've you're because like I'm not just Evan the marketer. I'm Evan the boyfriend. I have partners, right? I'm Evan the roommate. I have a roommate. Like I'm Evan the brother. I have a sister. I'm Evan the son. I have a mom and a dad. Like, um, you know, I'm Evan the the party animal because I love to go to nightclubs. Right, so like there's a there's a there's other aspects to who you are. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. Uh, great guys, uh, we've been all over the place with the topics, with examples, and <laughs> which with is a everything. perfect reflection of who I am. <laughs> yeah, man, it's all it's also who I am. If you if you people are asking me, you know, like how you come up with that many content from LinkedIn, well. I'm thinking about a lot of stuff and doing a lot of things, and I don't recommend it to uh, to to other people. This is just I relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I relate. But uh, you know, go to the to the first minutes of this episode and listen to all of it again and then again and again. Let it sink in. When you have questions, then you go reach out Evan on Twitter on LinkedIn. Uh, where else they can find you? Uh, I'm also on Instagram. And if you follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, I will soon be back on TikTok, YouTube, and Reddit. Uh, I've got some content getting prepared for that as well. Yeah, love it. I need to connect with more people on Reddit. I think. Yeah, that, I'm a new to that world. I gotta, gotta learn some more. <laughs> so if you're a Reddit marketer, hit me up. I would love to learn more. Uh, who, who told me about, about that, about that, Jonathan, Jonathan Bland in one of the episodes, he told me that they have been trying to do something with, with Reddit. So I guess this is the person to have a conversation with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, and look, guys, continue this conversation on social media. Let's not end this here. Cause I'm sure like Evan, you'll come back in a couple of months for another episode where we can dive deep into some of I would love that. I would love some, that. some of the topics. because uh, I definitely don't want anybody coming to the to the funky marketing show just once. We I want people to dive deeper into the topics and go like, hey, this is what happens in a awesome. in three months. You know? I'm gonna put on my calendar February 13th, 14th, two months from now, I'm gonna knock on your door virtually. I'm not uh, Serbia's little <laughs> far. Sorry. But <laughs> That's that's great. Like, 
what's on February 14th? It's ah uh, yeah yeah it's it's uh is it like Valentine's Day? Or Valentine's something? Day and he, here in Serbia lo- listen to this like we have a fight every year because it's like we have these saints that we are celebrating and one of the the saint of the uh, vineyard people mm-hmm. who, the protector of the vineyards is the same date so so well, I usually wine, so I support this person <laughs> yeah but but listen usually men they leave uh women at home they go to the vineyards and they get drunk heavily because they need to chop up the the vines uh, <laughs> well I'll take my gay self with the women and we'll go to a gay bar and get some wine and have some fun there <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of kind of crazy, uh, but yeah. N- now you know one of, one of many craziness that is happening. Oh, I, I love here. to learn more. I would love to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, thanks for being with us, Evan. Thanks for uh, for investing an hour of your time for the Funky Marketing Show. And the one thing that we say for the end, guys, keep it fun, keep it funky, keep it safe, and uh, chat in another episode. See ya.